Thank you for joining the Pinewood Church Podcast. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you fresh perspective on how God is moving in your life. For more information, visit us at pinewoodboulder.com. Enjoy the message. Um, I'm not one of the pastors here. I work in a coffee company here in town, and I actually serve as the coffee team lead here in the back. So if you're interested in that, we've got some amazing people that serve delicious coffee. Um, I started coming to Pinewood about a year and a half ago, and I met Parker, one of our pastors. He texted me and said, hey, uh, I'd love to meet up, tell you more about the church, love to get to know you. And I texted him back and said, you know, I actually uh, don't think Pinewood's the place for me. Um, not really interested in whatever you guys are doing here. Um, I'm good, but thank you. And he, he texted back and said, you know what, that's all right. Uh, you don't have to be interested in our church. I just want to get to know you as a person. And that really um, was huge for me. And through that invitation and through his friendship, um, I just got to know the amazing community here. Um, I got to learn about the relationship uh, with God and just freshly dive into that and the relationships that are here around us. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're coming in and you're not religious, this isn't a place um, for the religious. This is a place where we are all about relationships with God and with each other. So that's my story. I just want to encourage you, uh, wherever you're at today, uh, welcome. We're excited that you're here. We think we've got way more in common than we do that sets us apart. Um, I'm excited for what we've got to share. And before we get into the message, I just want to take one quick second to honor a couple people. I want to honor Jess and Parker, our pastors. It takes incredible faith to believe in the ridiculous until the ridiculous becomes reality. And that's what they've been doing here in this place. That's what they've been doing ever since they moved to Boulder with no backup, ever since they moved just them and the thousand kids that they have. Um... They came and they had great faith that God was going to do impossible things here and that we were going to be world changers and God's doing it. And they have been so honoring, so amazing. Um, Parker just texted me even today and said how proud of me he was. That's the type of people that they are. They're consistent every single day. And I was just wondering if we could take a second and thank God for our pastors. Can we do that? Let's go. Come on. Awesome. That's good. Well... As we get in uh, to today's message, I, I have something that happens to me sometimes um, when I go to Chipotle. <laughs> Big Chipotle fan. I used to be Qdoba, and then I switched. Um, and what happens to me is I'm going in, I'm getting my rice and black bean and pinto bean burrito, thank you very much, and then I get to the chicken, and... And they screw me over. They give me like five little cubes of chicken. And I know by the laughter that somebody else in here has experienced that exact same thing. Am I right? And then you're, okay, and so this is what happens with me then, is then I start looking around and I'm like, oh, I'm going to see what the next person gets. Like, I want to see if they get like as bad a treatment as I just did. And then they get like this massive scoop. And I'm like, what the heck just happened? And it's, I get way too upset about it. Um, and I can't even finish a whole Chipotle burrito. And it's funny when, when we're talking about fast food, but we tend to do this with other parts of our life as well. We start to look at other people. God, why did you give him that job? 
God, why does she have so much influence with other people? Why does it seem like wherever she turns, opportunities just open to her, and she has this amazing life? And you start comparing, and you feel like the grass is greener over there. And we all do it, and I'm incredibly guilty of it. And the passage that we're going over today speaks directly to that. So if you're following along in your Bibles, we're going over Psalm 73, verses 21 through 26. And if you don't have a Bible, we've got them at the table in the back for you. That's our free gift to us. Please take one, take two if you want to give one out to a friend or if you just want two Bibles for some reason. Um, But Psalm 73, 21 through 26, here we go. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God, we come before you right now. We just thank you that you're a good father. We praise you that you're a better portion than anything that this world could offer. Thank you so much for Matthew and for the band. God, thank you that we can meet you through art, through metaphor. We can meet you through the world that you've given around us. God, I just pray that you would speak through me. God, use my words. We praise you, God. You're the only one worthy of our praise. We just worship you today, and we ask that you be with us. Spirit, do what you want to. Amen. Awesome. All right. So, summer and psalms, that's what we've been talking about. And we have been going over psalms for this entire summer, and psalms are basically just songs, songs that people wrote in the Old Testament. And one of the reasons that we've been going over it is because psalms are all about emotion. They're not necessarily pretty, and they're not necessarily, although they are poetry, They're not the most flowy, beautiful verse that you've ever read before. A lot of them are just brutally honest, and David asking God to kill the firstborn children of his enemies, (laughs) and kind of crazy stuff. Um, But that's one of the reasons we we love it and why we've been going over it, is because it connects to these really raw, honest emotions that are inside of us. And this psalm is no different. Um, It was written by a guy named Asaph, and he was one of the... Levites back in the old days of Israel, which meant that his job was um, to serve God in the temple. And he was actually one of the um, Levites who helped to lead the people in worship. So he was basically like a modern day singer, worship leader. And because of this, he was serving God every day. And in this psalm, he talks about looking around, seeing other people, and saying, God, when I compare my life to theirs, I feel like you've kind of screwed me over. And he looked around and he saw three different things specifically that he felt like were the most frustrating to him about their lives. One, they had tons of power. They had the blue check on Instagram. They had all sorts of influence. They had the million-dollar, billion-dollar houses. They were friends with celebrities. They were celebrities. They were super well-off. It seemed like they were living their best life and they had no problems. Second, not only were they well-off, like maybe that's fine, But Asaph says they were bragging about it. They were boasting. They were talking like they had gotten there all by themselves. Like it didn't have anything to do with outside circumstances or with God or with anybody. 
So they were even openly mocking God and saying, we're basically the gods of our own world. We're basically the people that have done this to ourselves, have gotten us to this point in life. So no humility whatsoever. And third off, it said that they were evil. So they were cheating, they were lying, they were doing whatever they could to keep this position that they had for themselves. Maybe they had lied on a resume, maybe they had um, falsified taxes or different documents, maybe the actual business practices that they were doing were uh, completely wrong. But Asaph looks at them and he says, God, I thought you were just, I thought you were fair, and when I look at their lives, they're not following you, they're making fun of you, what they're doing is evil and wrong, and yet they're prospering and they're living this amazing life. And here I am serving you faithfully. I feel like I'm just working hard. And yet, I'm not anywhere close to where they are. I feel like you've wronged me. So first point, we're going to talk about three responses that we can learn from Asaph and what he did. The first response is talk to God about it. What I mean by that is one of the amazing things about this psalm is is just the fact that it was written at all. This is a psalm of someone being pissed off at God. He rolls in hot. He's mad. And the cool thing about it is it doesn't shame Asaph anywhere in this psalm for feeling that way. In fact, it validates his feelings. And all of the psalms of this way, they give vent and allow space for our anger, our feelings of frustration, the different emotions that we go to, even when they're directed at God. And I just want to encourage you guys today that God is the best place to take your frustration with him. If there's something in your life that you're mad about, if there's something in your life that you feel like God has cheated you on, God wants to hear about it. There's some research that's come out late, uh, recently in the field of neuroscience, and we're kind of like in the golden age of neuroscience right now. Um, this is a little nerdy, but hang with me for a second. So we're in the golden age of neuroscience, right? And these secular neurologists decided, all right, we're going to do a study on prayer. We're going to see the effects that prayer has on the brain. So they do this test, and people are praying about their hopes, their fears, and their dreams towards God, right? So people are praying about hopes, fears, and dreams. Neurologists are taking this test, and they find at the end of it that neurologically, praying to God about your hopes, your fears, and your dreams has the exact same effect on your brain as counseling. Isn't that crazy? Guys, God is a good counselor. Do you believe that he wants to hear what you're going through? Do you believe that he is sympathetic and that he really wants your best? Do you believe that he's big enough to handle even your anger and your frustration at him? That's the first point before we even get to what Asaph learned from this, is that he took those things directly to God. He said, before I do anything else, before I turn my back on God, before I run away, before I betray what I've been living for my entire life, I'm going to take a second, slow down, and bring these things directly before you, God. And God is good enough and big enough and faithful enough, and he loves us. He really wants to know what we're going through, and we can bring our problems, even when they're about him, directly to him. Amen? All right, second response that we can learn is get God's perspective. Get God's perspective on what you're going through. I have a, uh, you know, when I, when I read this psalm, uh, it says that basically we're like, we're like animals. Asaph said, I was like a beast towards you. I was ignorant. I was acting dumb. 
And when I think animals, I think dogs. I'm a dog guy. Anybody else? Thank you. Objectively better than cats, right? I just, okay. No, no, no. Come back. I just lost like half my audience. Um, they're both great. They're both great. They're both great. Um, but I thought of dogs and I thought of uh, one specific dog that I had. Um, my family had this, this pet Shih Tzu growing up and his name was Snickers. And that was my childhood dog all while I was growing up. And Snickers uh, was up with my parents one time at their family cabin. It's up in the mountains here in Colorado. And cabin has an awesome view, looks over this meadow, beautiful. My parents were chilling on the porch after a hike. Snickers is running around in the meadow doing whatever Shih Tzus do. And all of a sudden this bear comes out into the meadow. And Snickers was one of the most loving animals you'd ever seen. He hadn't met a person or animal that he didn't like. And so he runs right up to the bear, wants to play with it. And uh, the bear wasn't really looking at him as much um, as a friend, as more of like a snack. And so what happened was, that was, that was the last of our, of our um, poor Shih Tzu. <laughs> My dog got killed by a bear while I was growing up. Um, and the reason that I, that I share this with you guys um, is because Asaph says that we're the same way towards God when we don't choose to get his perspective. That our perspective is limited in nature. My parents were yelling at Snickers, telling him to come back, telling him to get away from the dog. But he, didn't, he couldn't understand them. He didn't know. He didn't realize like, what the words were that they were saying. And so in all of that, it's easy for us as well to lose sight and lose perspective on what's actually going on. And the way that this comes out across for us a lot of times is we choose to let our emotions run our life instead of fact, instead of what God says is truth. And it's so easy to do. Asaph was in the same spot. He was angry. And I just talked about how emotions are an amazing, great thing to bring before God, to dive in and get to know somebody better, to bring intimacy with God. And they're great for that. But they're horrible as the thing that's going to set direction for the course of our lives. We have to choose that we're going to set our lives upon something more than emotion. That we're going to choose to set our lives upon fact, regardless of how we feel. And so it says that Asaph didn't understand these things until he chose to walk into the temple of God. Until he chose to go into God's temple and his sanctuary. And that was where God met him at. And here's here's what's amazing about this. Is... Asaph was a worship leader. And so by going into God's sanctuary, he was going into the place that he worked every day. He was going into the place where he felt the most frustration, the most fed up with God. He felt like God had wronged him the most here. And yet this is where he walked into. And he chose to press in there because he knew that that's what it meant to be faithful to God still. And that that's where God would meet him and provide a perspective that was higher than his own. So he does this, and there's friction and there's frustration in that relationship. And I just want to encourage you guys that there might be friction, there might be frustration in your relationship with God, but the only way that those feelings can emerge is if you're close with somebody in relationship. The only way that you can get frustrated with somebody 
is if you're close to them, if there's intimacy there. And it's the same way with God. If we're feeling frustrated, if there's something that we're going through where we feel like he's wronged us or he's cheated us, he's close with us even through that. And if we press in and we choose to get his perspective, he's going to share something that's going to shift the entire way that we look at those things. And it was the same way with Asaph. What he realized when he chose to go into God's temple, when he chose to get God's perspective on the situation and worship instead of turn away from God, was Asaph said that their lives, the lives of the people he'd been comparing himself to, were like visions. They were like dreams. And when those people woke up, they were going to realize that everything that they'd been working for was just a part of that dream world. It wasn't real. It wasn't reality. It wasn't something that was going to last into eternity. It wasn't something that was going to last and have actual uh, matter and value. And when Asaph realized this, he realized that God was his portion and God was the thing that was valuable to him. Not all those things that were going to fade away one day and that wouldn't matter. And I just want to encourage you guys from the words of Jesus himself. He shares this in Matthew six twenty-seven through 34. He says, has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to get you to do here is to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and get worked up. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. That's good. I need to be reminded of that constantly. It doesn't matter. There are so many things that we look at in this life that don't matter. And it's actually a little bit refreshing to think about that and to realize that. Because I see a lot of people around me that get really worked up about them. And I wonder if I'm doing the wrong thing with my life. But Jesus says, don't worry. I'll take care of those things for you. Those don't matter. Focus on me and my kingdom and I'll provide everything that you need. So as we're talking about this, as we think about the things of eternity, I just want to talk about four quick things within this point that we can do to keep God's perspective and focus on eternity that we can do to build into eternity. Things that are going to matter for eternity, for heaven. The first is your soul. Your soul is going to go into eternity with you. What are you doing today to nurture your soul, to feed your soul? What are you doing to learn about how God's made you? The desires that he's put inside of you. The calling that he's placed upon your life. Nurture those things. Press in. Learn more about God. Get in relationship with God. That's going to be the very best thing for your soul. God's given us the word and he's given us prayer as really easy and uh, reliable ways to get to know him. Your soul. Secondly, he's given us friendships. Press into friendships. We're going to have friendships for eternity. 
Those are going to matter for forever. If you're looking for good friendships, join a crew. That's going to be a super easy way to get plugged into some amazing people. We have some of the best people I've ever met right here in this room. Join a crew. Get plugged in. Start pressing in here. We have amazing people that want to get to know you. But the circle that's around you will determine the course of your life. Your connection determines your direction. And in addition to that, the five closest people around you, we say this a lot, but it's true. The five closest people around you are the sum of who you are as a person. Think about that. The five closest people around you, that's going to determine who you are at your core. Press into good friendships. Third, memories. Memories are going to go with you into eternity. Make good memories. Have fun. Do things that you're going to look back on with enjoyment, with laughter, not with regret. Make good memories here on earth. All right, number four, knowledge. Your knowledge, the things that you learn, the things that you know, that's going to go with you into eternity. One simple thing that we can take away from this is, what do you think of when you think of God? That's a part of knowledge. And it's, it's kind of a weird question, but maybe we could ask that to somebody else this week. Maybe that could be a question that we start to talk about and that we start to ask other people about. Is what, what do you think of when you, when you think of God? What is God to you? Grow in your knowledge. Those are four things, just real quick, that you can press into, that you can learn, that are going to last on into eternity, that will matter beyond this world. All right, the fifth and the final uh, response that I want to talk about from Asaph's life is enjoy the giver. And I want to share a story from Jesus' life uh, that he shared that can kind of help us to understand this. Because it's really easy to get in a comparison mindset. It's really easy to go, God, why is somebody else's life going so much better than my own? Or why are they, is it going well for them even though I know that they're not acting rightly, that they're doing evil, that they're cheating, that they're gaming the system, and yet it seems like it's still working out for them? And Jesus shares a parable in Luke 15, and it's a really popular one. This is the story of the prodigal son. And if you haven't heard this story before, uh, people use it a lot. It's pretty well known. And I'm not going to go over the whole thing, but I'm just going to share real quick. Um, what happens in this story is J- Jesus says that there was uh, two sons and a father. And the younger son said to the father, give me everything that I deserve. That ev- Everything that I'm going to get one day as an inheritance, just give it to me right now. Because I want it. I don't care about you guys. I don't care about relationship. I just want to go off and do my own thing. So, younger son does this, he gets all the money, the father uh, obliges, and he goes off and parties. He does, lives the life that he wants, he has all the women, all the experiences, all the trips, whatever he wants, he just shells out money for all of it. And a couple years later, he ends up uh, being completely out of money, needing to find some job, so he starts working for a pig um, farmer, and eating the food that the pigs eat. And... What happens is he says, even my father's servants have better lives than this. So I'm going to go back. I'm just going to beg my dad that I could at least be one of his hired hands. So he does this. He goes back. His dad sees him, and not only is he stoked to have him back, but he takes him in. He throws a massive party. It says he kills the fattened calf, which was like, if you know anything about livestock, that's like thousands and thousands of dollars. It's a really expensive, over-the-top celebration. And they throw this massive party. The son is back. 
So, when we jump into the story, it's with the older son hearing about all this, saying, this, this seems kind of messed up. All this guy has done is cheat our family, rob us, steal us of all the um, money that we were going to have one day as an inheritance, and yet my father's throwing this massive party for him. And we jump in in Luke 15, 29 through 31. The f- older son and the father are talking. And the older son says, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet, you never gave me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. Sounds a lot like verse 23. Nevertheless, I am continually with you, and you hold my right hand. See, what the older son had failed to realize was that he had been working for only what the father could give him. He hadn't realized that the gift that the younger son had been missing out on the whole time was relationship with the father himself. And that's what we have to realize. That when we start to compare our lives to other people, when we start to get jealous of people who we might even know are acting wrongly and doing evil, that we're focused on the wrong things. We're focused on circumstances and the gifts that God provides rather than the giver himself. And when we start to think about this, it starts to change the way that we look even at circumstances themselves. It helps us to realize that even in our pain, even in our lack, even in the withholding, there's purpose. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11, God says, My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training. The normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our parents for training and not spoiling us. So why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. But God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely, for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. God disciplines the one that he loves. And if we're truly his children, which it says that we are, then we can thank God for the withholding of gifts just as much for the giving when we start to focus on him as the father instead of the circumstances that he's put us in. I wonder maybe if the next time that we get FOMO, if we could stop for a second and instead thank God for the circumstances that he's put us in, for the way in which he's chosen the specific friendships, the specific identity, the specific relationships and circumstances that are in our life. I wonder if we could take a second and thank God for those things, for where he's put us right now, rather than wishing for someone else's circumstances, because 
God says that he's using whatever we're in right now, he's crafted that to speak directly to us. And so in this, I realize that I can't find God in somebody else's portion for me. I can only find God in the portion that he's given directly to me because he's chosen those things specifically to reveal himself. That means that the best place to find God is right where you are, right now. His grace, his relationship, it's free, it's available to all of us right where you're at. And that's the amazing thing that Asaph realized is that it's all about relationship with God. And when I shift my eyes from things to the person who provides all those things to the creator, I get the right perspective. And as we close and as we go into one last song, I just want to encourage you in one final thing. Asaph was a Levite, and the Levites were the tribe of Israel that God had set apart specifically to serve him. And a part of that was that they had given up all right to inheritance or lands, to have any ownership over cities. They had given all of that up to serve God. So in serving God, the only way that they were going to get provided for was if God provided for them. They were trusting completely on God to provide for all of their needs. If God didn't come through, nobody was going to. But they said it's better for us to trust in that for God to be our portion than for us to trust in anything else. And that was the gift and the reward that was given to them for their service. And as Christians, through Jesus, we're invited into that covenant. Just like the Levites, we're invited to be priests, to serve God, to walk with him. And God says he'll provide for us. He says that he'll provide the life that we need. We can't provide life for ourselves, but Jesus offers it freely. And in Revelation, it says that God's preparing a new home for us. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and there's going to be no more brokenness, no more tears, no more pain, no more disease. He's going to take it all away because he's preparing something new for us to walk into, for those that have trusted in him, that have chosen to say, I believe that you are a better portion than anything that I could have, than anything that I could create for myself. And if you've never thought about that before, I just want to encourage you during this song to receive that. It's a free gift that Jesus offers to us through the cross. Forgiveness and grace and a life that's abundant, that God provides for us, that we don't have to strive to create for ourselves. God truly is a better portion. Amen? Awesome. Our community at Pinewood Church aims to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus in Boulder and around the world. Thank you for your support. If you would like to further connect with us, you can find out more at pinewoodboulder.com or on any social media platform with the handle at pinewoodboulder.